You're fired up. Fired up. Woo! It's 14th September, 19th episode of the, what do we call this? The Soybean, Soybean Pest Podcast. Hi, Aaron. Hi, Matt. How you doing? I have a bit of a cold, so Damn. sorry if I sound like Tone Loke. How ironic that you have a cold in what is quite possibly the hottest room <laughs> at Iowa State University. I'm sorry that the temperature isn't to your liking. No, it's good. It's good. It's got me all fired up. Hey, before we get into today's topic, yeah, can we just reflect upon what was, for some, a disappointing Saturday? Iowa State, poor, Iowa. Poor performance in the second half led to our defeat. going to argue with you on this one. Can argue with you a little bit. I think it's not a defeat. Why? Let's revisit what happened. We got less points than they did. At the end of the game, we had less points. Yeah. But for quite possibly three quarters and a half, mm-hmm. we were leading. Yeah. So on But it balance, doesn't matter. But on balance, we had more points for the majority of the game. Therefore, I would argue we're the winners. The point is to have more points than the other team. So I mean, who cares if the game is 60 minutes or 7 minutes? We lost. I'm just I'm just saying that for the majority of the game we were leading and we we were gentlemen. We let them leave with a little bit of uh integrity, a little bit of uh respect. We said, "Hey, look, it doesn't mean anything to us. You're a Big 10 school. Go on. Leave with more points. We don't care cuz we're going to whoop it up on Toledo next week where is what who do they have next week?" Who does Iowa have? I don't keep track of all these big things. Ten team. Yeah, yeah. Like the point is, we have we have more important things to think about than some rinky-dink school down on I-80. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I said Ouch. that. Uh-huh. Ouch. Uh-huh. Moving on. Okay. All right. You're still fired up. So today, uh, we thought we would talk about, right, the Flaxaflor. Flaxaflor. Uh, Since when did you develop a lisp? I, I have a hard time with this word. It's a challenging word. It, if it were not a proper noun, I think it's a proper noun. I think it'd make an excellent Scrabble word because it's got some X's and it's got an X, two F's. It's yeah, definitely be like double, triple, point worthy on words with friends. I think it's called a bingo. Okay. Anyway, it'd it'd get you a lot of points. So last week, late last week, what starting on Thursday, uh, reports came out about a ruling in the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals uh, regarding a case between. Uh, petitioners uh, that included the Pollinator Stewardship Council. (laughs) This could be a long podcast. (laughs) Pollinator Stewardship Council, American Honey Producers Association, National Honey Bee Advisory Board, American Beekeeping Federation, um, and I think uh, some representatives of uh, Friends of the Earth. Anyway, they brought a petition against the EPA, as the respondent, and then Dow AgroSciences as the respondent intervener. And the result of this case, as reported in many news outlets, was the, what's the right word for this? The, the vacation, the vacating of Sofoxiflor's registration through EPA. Long story short, this insecticide is no longer allowed to be used in the United States per the registration by EPA. Yeah. Did I get that right? Yeah. Um, I think, what is the word you used last week? Unprecedented? I don't think I used that. Oh. I think that was in, I mean, I, I said that yeah. in our little conversations, but I think that was in several of the news articles written oh, about okay. this issue. Okay. This is unprecedented. It's and never I, happened before. That, yeah, that a registration has been given and then taken away 
by a federal court. Yeah. So you mean once the EPA approves it, it's never been, uh, as you said, in the court been taken away. Yeah. Yeah. Unprecedented. Yeah. Kind of a big deal. Yeah. And that's why we're talking about it today. Yeah. And uh, you know what's interesting about this? I think two episodes ago, we talked about this very same issue yeah. because we were, we, uh, we were considering some survey data from J.R. Buckle. And what was the third most in, was it third? We can go back to the tape, but we don't have to. We'll go on. Third most important issue on the minds of certified crop advisors, the banning, restricting use, uh, banning slash restricted use of neonicotinoids. Mm -hmm. And here we are today. What many articles in the popular press noted was a neonicotinoid being banned because of its use, uh, its potential harm against bees. Yeah, and I guess this is where I'd argue with, oh. with popular press. We're going to start the arguments. Oh, we're yeah. jumping right in. I, I don't think technically it is a neonic. Um, it's in the same group or the same class of insecticides as neonicotinoids that we're familiar with, thymethoxam, imidacloprid, clothianidin, but it's in a different subgroup. And so uh, it's in the group of four neotinic acetylcholine receptors. And so it acts in the same way. It's basically a nerve stimulator. Yeah. But it's, in, in my, everything that I know about it and actually visited with some Dow people this summer on a tour, yeah. it's not a neonic. So this can be interesting. Let's, let's be clear to our listeners, all two of them, that uh, we don't have a dog in this fight. Yeah. We're not, uh, this is not a debate pro or against. All we're trying to do, or at least what I'm trying to do, you're trying to do it too. That was it. I'm sorry. That was that was it. That was it. Nice. Bob tried to do. All we're trying to do is bring light to this topic. Because yeah. in reading some of the popular press articles, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't always clear to me that they were describing this uh, this one case appropriately. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll get to that later. Okay. And, and, I, and I think you and I again. I we don't have a dog in this fight. We don't, we don't have money with stock options with the how we don't work for epa you know it, i mean yeah but i i should say that i do get money from dow mm. to evaluate sofloxaflora and you've tested it in i've your, looked at it yeah. for probably three years when it for a soybean aphid evaluation i i can't say that i i don't i don't have any money coming from dow but, but um but yeah it, it, all that money goes to an account that funds yeah. your research yeah. yeah and all those uh all that research is—is is that made public? Is that available? Yes. So yes. Yeah. It's not a to, private thing. No. So, so yeah. people, if they want to see data on how sofloxaflor or its trade names, Seeker, Transform, and in other systems besides corn and soybean, I think it's known as Closer. Oh, Closer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Closer. Yep. <laughs> Just imagine the commercial for that with the, the song by uh, what's that song? Closing time. Oh you know, gosh. They always play that in baseball games. You can't go home, or wait, the, you can't stay here, but you don't have to go home, or whatever yeah, it is. Something yeah, like that. They always that. play that when they bring in the the closing pitcher. Yeah. <laughs> Semi Sonic is a yeah. band name. Yeah. All right. But anyway, uh, yeah. so people, if they want to know about how this product works and the work you've done with it, they can find that online. That's our, true, uh, yeah. Soybeanafid.info. I just want to be transparent. That, Very good. You know, and, um, but yeah, I think you're right. It's like we don't work for the EPA. We don't, we're not a chemical company, and um, we just are trying to get the information out to people. We're trying to bring light to yeah. all the issues. Yeah, and kind that. of share both sides. Yeah, and um, so anyway... Uh, 
not to argue with you, but I'm going to read. So here's what I did over the, mm-hmm. the weekend. Uh, in, in addition to reading uh, various articles, it was in the Ames Tribune. That's how, you know, Yeah. that's how important this is. Uh, I, I went online, looked up some stuff on EPA's website, mm-hmm. and I found the, uh, the court document where the opinion of the judges were, uh, were was, was stated. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we could do a little history before sure. we go into this, whether it's a neonic or not, or whether it should have been restricted, or why it was restricted. Uh, going back 2013, mm-hmm. probably even before that, because you started testing this. I can't remember exactly when I did, but when I first started looking at it, it didn't have a trade name or anything. It was just a serial number, right. so it was before it was commercial. I can't remember exactly the first year. So Dow is uh, providing this chemical to uh, this insecticide to people like you to test, say, you know, mm-hmm. this is something that may become commercially available. Yep. Uh, we're trying to get some different... Uh, they want field data. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you provided it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, eventually they put a... Uh, registration into EPA request and that was in 2013 Um, and it was given initially a un it was given a conditional uh, registration there were some conditions put on its use and then about in part because in the documents it was noted as being highly toxic to honeybees and I'll talk more about that later we're just doing the history right now right okay Um, Six, seven months later, it goes from a conditional registration to unconditional registration. Full label, and it's out. And in 2014, I found this on EPA's website, and we can put the link to sure. this in our, our text. Uh, EPA has a little uh, website where you can, well, they have a big website. But anyway, they, they have this uh, article on their website. Why did EPA register sofloxiflor? Question mark. I heard it harms bees. And it's only this about, is on the EPA site? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And this was published in uh, May of 2014. Okay. And at the time that I downloaded it, it had only been viewed about 2,500 times. I'm guessing that number is going to go up. Oh, yeah. Exponential. Not because we're advertising it, but I'm just guessing. Yeah, it's, in, it's on all the popular press. Yeah. Uh, and this was in 2014. And it, and it says in this article, I'm going to quote, in brief, the key is to limit exposure. The EPA does not allow sofoxiflor application to plants that are attractive to bees for three days before bloom, during bloom, or until petal fall for the majority of crops. For the remaining bee attractive crops, we also added advisory language to the labels to notify known beekeepers of scheduled application and apply those products in early morning or late evening. Since bees are typically only present when plants are in bloom and the toxicity of sofoxiflor residue is primarily a concern to when the residue is freshly applied, we expect that the application restrictions we put in place will protect bee colonies from harmful exposures. That was 2014. I think what happened between then and where we are now, not everybody agreed. And the, and court, the judge agreed, right? Well, the judge agreed with the, what is it, the plaintiffs, mm-hmm. as they say on Judge Judy. Yeah. And um, ruled in that favor of the That they would be harmful to bees. Well, so this is interesting. All right, so this is... I, so I read that EPA thing. Then I found the court document, and I, I read the court document, and I, a couple things I want to point out, and I think in the title of this um, uh, podcast, we're going to say something about how this, is, is this case a sign of future banning of all neonicotinoids? And I'm going to argue it's not. 
because I think what is going on here is not the judge ruling about whether cefloxifor harms bees or whether it can be used safely. The case is very specific. The judges, uh, both judges were very specific about why they are overturning this registration. And it doesn't have anything to do with uh, deciding does it harm bees or not. It has to do with did EPA follow the rules that they created for registration? There are people out there uh, who want to see neonicotinoids banned or restricted, mm. and they may very well be involved in this case. But what the judge did was not say all neonics are bad, you can't use them. What the judge says in this case with this product, EPA, you didn't follow your own rules. Therefore, for getting a full registration for a new insecticide, is that what you mean? For this specific insecticide, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so it doesn't mean that Transformer and Seeker and those Cefloxifor products can't be on the market sometime. Maybe sometime in with the additional yeah, yeah. testing or the right paperwork that they need to do. Yeah, yeah. And and I think in reading the the court document, the judges were there was some language directed at Dow. But 90% of it, in my limited lawyering ability, 90% of it is focused on EPA. Okay. Should we dive in? Yeah. Should we talk about this? Am, is we, this make I mean, sense? We are talking about we it. We are what, talking about what it. More, what more needs what, to be said? What more do you want to open up? Well, I just... The docket itself? The docket. I don't know if this is actually considered a docket. Oh, I don't know what, what a docket is. I think it... Anyway, we should get a lawyer in here sometime. <laughs> And have a real snooze fest. If anybody's still listening, we're at the 14 minutes mark. We're going to go into extra time today. Overtime. Yeah. So, um, so first of all, let's go back to our first uh, debate point. Yeah. So, Foxfloor, is it a neonicotinoid? No. You say no. <laughs> I'm not a very good debater. <laughs> it's no. No right, backup. <laughs> Moving on. Question number two. Well, I will I will pull this language out of the court docket. Pollinator yeah. Stewardship Council versus US EPA. This is on page seven, top top paragraph. So floxifloor is a new insecticide that targets a range of insects. Yes. It acts on the same receptor in insects as does the class of insecticides referred to as neonicotinoids. Yes. But its mechanism is distinct from other neonicotinoids. Yes. So it is currently the only member of a subclass of neonicotinoids called sofloxamines. 4C, yes. <laughs> so so you, I think you and the judge are in agreement. Yeah, we are. But, because we're correct. I, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So what, what, You're going to be on Rosie O'Donnell's so next what, show. So what is your, why do you not agree with this? Well, I don't know. I, oh. I think the language, I'm just quoting. Okay. It is currently the only member of a subclass of neonicotinoids. There are neonicotinoids. There are subclasses. This is one of them. Ergo hoc sum and other Latin expressions. It's the, a neonicotinoid. The class isn't called neonicotinoids. They're neotinic acetylcholine receptor competitive modulators. I understand why people say it's a class of neonics, but neonics is a subclass. It's 4A. Neonic, so you're using the word subclass, mm -hmm. and subclasses are within a larger class. Mm -hmm. And if that class is neonicot... I'm saying the class is not neonics. Oh. Oh, interesting. They're competitive modulators. Would you agree with me? Would you agree with me? This behaves an awful lot like a neonicotinoid. Yes. yes, it does. Okay. It acts like it. It walks like it. It talks like it. But hmm. it's not exactly the same. Yeah. 
So I'm being really nitpicky, but they're being really nitpicky. Well, I, I, I yeah, maybe nitpicky yeah. is the right word. But but they go on in this document so to I, describe. I, I could see how the press would, because neonics have been in the news, I could see why the press would yeah. pick up that word neonic because it is a very sensitive word right now. And mm-hmm. of all the European stuff, the stuff in Canada, um, I think if you don't exactly know what you're talking about and you say this neonic or whatever is the first one, it's going to be the first of many and start yeah, that yeah. kind of, not scare tactics, but. Well, the, I think the idea here is, is this setting a precedent? Yes. Is it setting a precedent for all neonicotinoids to be banned? Yeah. And your point would be, if I could reiterate, do a little, what's that called? Reflective listening? Yeah. If I could re, I think what you're saying and others is that um, this is not a neonicotinoid like clothianidine, imidacloprid, all those others that have been restricted in Europe and, yeah. and are under some, you know, restricted use. There's some conditions put on their use in Canada. Um, so what happens with this product doesn't necessarily hold with all the other ones that are currently registered. Is that, is that well, I think that's true, but the, the reasons why people are concerned about Subloxapor are the same reasons I think people are concerned about neonics, is because of the, the exposure to bees and other insects. Right. So, this, so yeah. this gets into the details of the case. So yeah. why was this particular compound kind of picked on? Mm-hmm. Um, so in the registration, and this is again in the court document, quote, as part of its registration application, Dow made a number of claims regarding the benefits to using cefloxifor over other comparable insecticides, pesticides. These claims and the support for them are not in the public record. Mm-hmm. I think that means what the judges had to look at, they didn't see that. Okay. Right. So they may have collected, they may not have, but it just wasn't evident? The, the judge didn't see it as evidence? I, okay. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. And then later on they say, Dow also submitted studies and data about the effects of cefloxifor on various species, including bees. Okay. Uh, and then they're going to talk about uh, how the EPA analyzes uh, risk to pollinators, okay. the pollinator risk assessment framework. And yep. they talk about tier one, tier two, and tier three. Uh, this is toxicology, risk assessment language. Tier one, as I understand it, is if you apply it straight to the insect, does it kill them at the rates that yeah. they would experience in the field? If it does, you move on to tier two. If not, cool, stop right there. Tier two is... And tier three are semi-field and field-like uh, conditions. And in, in quote, to attempt to refine and or characterize risk estimates to determine the conditions and risk occurrence and when relevant to identify spatially and temporally specific risks. In other words, just because it kills an insect, say a bee in the lab, doesn't necessarily mean it's gonna happen in the field. And yeah. if we test this under field conditions and it doesn't, okay, you know, yeah. not so bad. This is where it gets tricky because, as the court document says, the Tier 1 data, the EPA reviews determine an acute, uh, let me get this right, they said the levels of acute, median, lethal dose mean that Sofoxiflor is classified as an extremely toxic to honeybees. That was Tier 1, extremely toxic. Yeah. Right? That was EPA's own assessment from the data that was given to them by Dow. So it's automatic tier two and three That's right. evaluations. That's right. Yeah. And this is where, if I understand the document correctly, this is where things get tricky because EPA uh, then said, all right, you got to do tier two testing. Yeah. And these are generally referred to, and I'm quoting here, tier two studies are generally referred to as semi-field studies. 
They consist of bees placed in a tunnel exposure and forced to feed on pesticide-treated crops because bees, yeah, yeah. So they're forcing this. They want to see, under kind of like yeah. a worst-case scenario, yeah. would this kill bees? But they go on to say that this isn't ideal. You're forcing it, you know, and then they're looking at lethality, not always sublethal effects. Mm-hmm. Dow, quote, for its Tier 2 analysis, Dow submitted six tunnel semi-field studies. Perhaps, mo- and quoting again, perhaps most significantly, all but one of the studies used application rates substantially below the maximum proposed by Dow. I think this is what they would call a red flag. In that they, add, you know, I, if I understand this right, what Dow is saying is, hey, this is the rate we're going to apply this in the field, but the tests that they used were below that rate. Yeah. Um, Something that may not even be you know, what a farmer would use to kill whatever target pest. Well, they could use below that rate, yeah. but they, they didn't test what was the maximum rate. Like that the would 1X, be yeah. Yeah. Um, and the EPA concludes that the majority of the studies, and I'm quoting again, used a lower application rate than the one Dow proposed. The direct effect of sofloxiflor on measures of adult forage bee mortality, flight activity, behavioral abnormalities at the maximum application rate in the U.S. is presently unknown. That is... EPA's language, as quoted by the judge. And the effects of cefloxifluor when applied at its maximum proposed rate on both brood development and long-term colony health was, quote, inconclusive, unquote. So there's a lot more here, but I think that's the big point is that they're not saying that it's not safe. Yeah. The judge isn't saying, hey, this isn't safe. You got to take it off the market. They're saying... Your data that were initially presented were inconclusive. You said this, EPA. Yeah. And then you went back and said, you know, go give us, you know, the complete data. And you did, and that, and then they go on to say, all right, so although the EPA announced its decision to propose conditional registration in January 2013, pending rece- receipt of additional data, less than seven months later, on May 6th, the EPA decided to unconditionally register Sofloxifor. It did so even though the record reveals that Dow never completed the requested additional studies. So there's a lot more to this document, yeah. but I think that's the critical piece. Here. Yeah, it's an excellent point. And I How think, so? Did well, I? No, I think it's, it, it's because a lot of people just assume, oh, if you take it off the market, well, it must be bad for bees. But I think you quoted and kind of summarized this document on how maybe, maybe so, maybe not, we don't know, but they just didn't supply enough evidence. Um, or the, the EPA didn't provide enough evidence to the court. Yeah, and, and it's, again, it's EPA, yeah. not Dow. You know, why EPA decided to change this? Well, if you, I read earlier, you know, at the start of our discussion, EPA said, well, we're going to change the language on the label. We think that'll be fine. And in here, the judge, the one that provided the first opinion, said, yeah, you said that, but where's the evidence that that's true? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Is that I, interesting? I think it's, I mean, the, the, the product of Transform or Seeker, whatever you want to call it, for Cefloxiflor, taking that off the market, even this summer, even though it's kind of the end of the growing season for us, has implications for other parts of the United States. And we talked a little bit about it last week, but basically for those pests that are resistant to neonicotinoids or um, organophosphates, pyrethroids, particularly oh. aphids and other systems, 
Um, like cotton. We're like talking co- about cotton. Cotton, aphids. sorghum. Sorghum with uh, <clears throat> sugar cane Sugar aphid. cane aphid. It's been the only product that has been effective because basically those other groups are resistant. I mean, the aphids are resistant to those other groups. Those and specific, so, those specific aphid yeah. species. And yeah. so um, Transform has been... Um, has been a wonderful product to use, and I saw it firsthand this summer and how effective it is versus other more traditional products. And so I'm really feeling, I'm, I mean, I'm sure the farmers in South and the South part, Southern part of the United States are, are you know, they're feeling it this year. Yeah. And, and yeah. as far as like, so I don't understand, like if they bought Transform last month, would they be able to use it? Yeah, those are some good questions. Yeah, and um, that's, and that's I, a different topic, yeah. but yeah. Um, I mean, taking that off the market right now is, it's going to have implications for yeah. crops in the United States. So this is interesting uh, because, let's be clear, the label that they they are vacating is one for use on a variety of crops. Yes. Um, soybeans were one of them. Yeah. Uh, cotton, you mentioned sorghum. There were citrus in there, yeah. fruits. Uh, in California, it, it, it was restricted in use to just lettuce, but yeah. lettuce. Yeah. Uh, so this was a product that was going to get and and could I guess had been used on a lot of different things. Now, what does that mean going forward if this whole label is rest- vacated? Well, I think for products for for situations like the um, uh, was it sugarcane aphid mm-hmm. on uh, sorghum. sorghum, you were telling me that that's one where there aren't anything there there aren't any insecticides that really work for that except yeah. for the cefloxifloor. Yeah. Um, so there are mechanisms within EPA that this product could be used in form of an emergency exemption. Right. Right? Yeah. And that, that can be in a single crop, yeah. sometimes in a single area. Yes. It, that area can be very large. And we yeah. saw this with soybean aphids back yeah. when the soybean aphid, an invasive pest like the sugar cane or the... Yep. Uh, well, the sugarcane aphid has yeah. recently become a pest on sorghum yeah. in like and, the last two years. And it's an invasive that showed yep. up. So yep. there are mechanisms for EP to allow a product to be used very quickly, um, and that, that could happen with this, right? Yep, that's uh, right. Same thing with the uh, cotton aphids that are resistant to a variety of other insecticides. Yes. Again, this could happen. Yeah. But what's going on here is this very specific label that was for all these different crops. That's mm. been um, yep. vacated. Yeah. So, you know... I, I try to, when I'm reading all this, some of the language in the newspaper articles were kind of extreme. And yeah. I was like, oh, this is the end. You know, this product is never going to see the light of day. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. Um, but that's that's not actually the case. This product could still be used. Yeah. Uh, even foregoing the stuff that's already been bought and sold by, you know, farmers. It could still be used in areas where it's really, really needed if a case yeah. is made even in crops where, yeah, you know, you might be some exposure to bees. I don't know how much. Well, you know, it's interesting. The cotton thing, they bring that up oh. uh, a couple of times yeah. in here. Um, still could be used. What's going to have to be done, it sounds like, based on this court case, is someone is going to have to go back and do some more work. Yeah. And do what EPA initially asked for. Yeah. Um, and then this product could still go through the process. Mm-hmm. The judges aren't saying, as I understand the document, they aren't saying you can never use this product. Yeah. They're saying, EPA, you got to follow your own rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The few uh, popular press uh, things that I was reading um, basically said what you said at the beginning is that 
is setting a precedent that this is just well, the first the, uh, not, not that you said right. that but that is one of the implications or possible implications is that it's setting a precedent and it could be just the first of then many products like uh, neonicotinoids or other insecticides uh, being taken off the market if they're not yeah. supplying enough evidence or but, enough research but that's uh, again I'm not a lawyer yeah. but nowhere in this document from the the Ninth Circuit Court, did they say, oh, and you got to go back and do all the other needs. Right. They were very specific yeah. about what was deficient in the registration product process for this insecticide. Yeah. And it really has nothing, I, I'm sure some would argue with me on this next point, but I, I think it has very little to do with bees in that, and neonicotinoids, in that had this been arguably some other insect, say monarchs or uh, the process probably would have played out the same way. I don't know if they would have, you know, gone to court in the same way because yeah. you had a lot of beekeeping stakeholders um, yes. bringing this forward. But again, you know, if if somebody who loves monarchs said, "Hey, this you didn't EPA, you didn't follow your rules," I think the judge would say the same thing. Yeah. Now, granted, there are a couple of times in here where the judge says, uh, in light of the concerns for declining populations and, and yeah. bee health so I mean th there is some influence there but whether you know that influence has already been seen in how the EPA is restructuring their uh, risk assessment you know this tier one tier two tier three so um, boy we we've gone double over an extra long podcast was this too much no I mean I think especially this is going to be the topic of the day for egg type news and so for those that are like, what's the big deal? Or, you know, they just had questions. I, I hope that this this conversation helped them identify, like, this is why it's important. This mm -hmm. is why people are talking about it. And, yeah, I, I think it'll be helpful, especially those that maybe are involved with selling yeah. or using or buying insecticides. Yeah, I think it's interesting, too, the, that product. When we were talking about this last week, I think you or somebody else said, well, there are other insecticides that are harmful to bees that we have registration, uh, we have use uh, permission to use. Why can we use those but not this? And well, because they went through the registration process and they were given a label that prevents them, we think, from being used in a way that would harm bees. And that was because at the time they, they did everything they were supposed to do. The evidence suggests, as presented by the studies, that that's not what happened with this specific insecticide. Going forward, it may, it may very well be approved for use um, after those steps are taken. Yeah. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if it, if it isn't. I, I wouldn't be surprised if... I would expect it to be back on the market. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it may not have as big a, a right. label in terms of all the different pr right. crops that could be used, but... Um, yeah. yeah, it's interesting. Anything else we want to talk about? Um, Should we leave it at that? That's 30 minutes. I can't imagine anybody wants to hear me talk any more than I already have. So. I, I always want to hear you talk. Oh! Okay. Okay. <laughs> Until next time. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Bye.